and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm welcoming Dr. Victoria Powell. Victoria is a writer and lecturer in modern and contemporary art. In 2021, she set up the Gallery Companion, a Substack publication which explores the ideas about life, culture, history and politics that you find in art. She aims to break down the perception that contemporary art is hard to understand by avoiding confusing art speak and talking about it in a language that makes sense. Hope you enjoy. This is Do Good and Do Well with me, Sarah Fox, the podcast where we explore how you can help make positive change in the world without losing yourself. Yes. Hello, Victoria, and welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to meet you, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So, first off, tell us about yourself. What do you want people to know about you? Well, I am a writer. I write about contemporary art. I also have a podcast, and um, I come also, I'm a teacher, I'm um, I work in international education, so at higher education level. So yeah, I'm all of those things. I suppose I'm I'm really interested in what people think and why they think those things. You know, I'm interested in questioning ideas and um, yeah, the assumptions and beliefs that we live by. And and that's what I that's what I write about by the lens of art. Um, I guess when, you know, the, the feedback that I get the most from my writing is, is that it's thought provoking, which is for me, I guess the ultimate brilliance, you know, because if I were to describe what my writing is broadly about, I would say it's, um, it's about the way in which power circulates in our world and how it operates, the dynamics of power. And I'm, I, I'm really interested in um, politics and contemporary events, you know, stuff that's going on in the world. So I write about, I write about that. So I speak about that. I teach that. Um, and I just, yeah, like to um, have discussions about, about what's going on and you know kind of look at things from different from different angles mm. yeah how did you kind of arrive in this place where you know it's clear that that idea of being thought-provoking and having discussions around what's happening in the world through a contemporary art lens how, how did how did you arise here uh partly just the um I suppose the influence of my my dad, you know, he was, um, he died last year and we always had the most amazing conversations. You know, I'm broadly uh, left of, left of centre and he, you know, he was right of centre and we always kind of had these interesting discussions where I, I, would, I would come at him with something and he would just give me in the most kind of generous and, um, thought-provoking way another perspective and and so I, I've come from from that you know all of my life I've been kind of um you know in conversation with one person seeing another view 
But I, I guess the art stuff comes from, you know, I, I did my undergraduate degree in history of art and then started my career. I worked for back in the early 2000s, which is showing my age. I worked for um, an art gallery, a dot-com art gallery, part of that kind of bubble, you know, of the early 2000s when, you know, there, were all, there was all of this kind of um, excitement around, dot, around dot-coms and a lot of them went bust. And in fact, that one did. But I kind of got started in the art world from 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 that, and then um, I moved into marketing in in the art sector. So I was I was marketing quite um, difficult to sell contemporary arts events, you know, dance, world music, um, contemporary opera, all the hard stuff. But it was really it was really kind of interesting because you know, pretty much every night of the week in London, I was uh, I was going to some amazing new mm. show or event so I've sort of been steeped in in the the arts right throughout my career and then I got to the end of my my 20s and I I just thought I need to I need to do more um I need to go back to studying so I did an MA I did an MA in the history of design at the Royal College of Art and from that I fell into teaching I started to to teach in higher education in London teaching art students about critical and contextual studies basically the sort of essay part of um fine art degrees or design degrees the bits that most artists don't enjoy mm. but I sort of you know I got into that and then I started a PhD which ended up just being a social history project but it it did start off being a kind of design history project and and I've I've sort of done that ever since really. That's how I kind of that's where the art mm-hmm. element comes into it. You know, I've just sort of been steeped in visual visual culture. And when I'm thinking about what's going on in the world, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen my like my my way of receiving information is largely through listening to radio, listening to podcasts and and reading. I don't I don't watch much. TV, um, I just find myself thinking about artists who have, you know, who are addressing those issues in different ways. They kind of bring alternative perspectives to debates. And I, I, I think that's sort of quite, quite interesting, really. Like the artists are able to frame things in a way that is beyond words because it's visual, but, you know, quite often can hit don't know how very powerfully a kind of an emotional yeah. connection that is very persuasive and and so yeah I'm sort of tying all of these things together mm-hmm. it's taken a while though to to really kind of understand what I'm doing you know I do I do lots of things but this is um, the gallery companion which is um, my my blog and my podcast has evolved over time and it's 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 become this thing which really you know fills a lot of my head and although I I also do other stuff I just find myself needing to express ideas in a certain way and um, through writing and through speaking that that you know that, that give a, another perspective really so many things I want to ask you. Well, first of all, I suppose I I wanted to just take a moment to think how powerful that was for you and your dad to be able to kind of have those conversations and for you mm. to be held in that way that was non-judgental and that yeah. you could both get curious together. 
I yeah. mean, what a gift that made me go tingly when yeah. you talked about that. And I really enjoyed your, or the way that you talked about these sort of, the things that are driving you and how, how you have come to this point, how, you know, your, your career has been steeped in art. And then when you talked about the, how artists can present a different perspective and it's not, sometimes it's not about how we logically think about it or consciously think about it, but it can get you right in the gut, mm. and make you feel a certain way. It really reminded me of the work that I did in my community art socially engaged days um, where we would work with artists to talk about things like love and hope and connection and kindness to to make it more impactful and make help people to feel those things mm. through art so that totally resonated everything you said then really really resonated um I'm really curious about this idea, you know, you're kind of, I'm hearing this need, I suppose, for you to put these ideas across. Mm. And I wonder what, what's your why? What, what are you hoping to achieve through that, both perhaps for yourself, but also for a, a wider audience? Well, I guess for myself, I've always found that the process of writing helps me kind of sift through different moral positions and it helps me to kind of clarify what I actually think about something um and you know so one of the recent stories that I wrote about was the 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 kind of proposed legislation on on immigration that's currently going through the house of parliament put forward by um there's you know our Tory government and, you know, obviously immigration is a really hot topic, one that absolutely divides opinion. And what I wanted to be able to do was to talk with absolute clarity about what I thought about Suella's, you know, kind of legislation. And um, that involved looking at that legislation and what exactly is being proposed. And, you know, that for me is a really valuable um, thing for me to do. That's what I get out of it. So I can just say, okay, no, I really, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, there's, there's a lot of hot um, discussion and I don't want it to be surface level for me personally. I want to talk mm -hmm. with authority about what I think and why. And that's always been, you know, something that I've that I've valued. So writing has always really, really been an important thing for me. And um, what what do I hope other people will get from it? Um, ways of ways of thinking differently about something about a subject, an opportunity to just to have your thoughts provoked to to challenge people's thinking on 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 subjects i suppose i come from a you know because i come from a teaching background like that's what i do all the time you know i put forward ideas for discussion mm -hmm. and you know i i'm absolutely not interested in going it's like this this is what you should think what I want to do with my writing is get 
and and my podcast is to get people just to sort of see two sides of the story because there always are two sides of the story aren't there you know and again just going back to my dad you know he would move me and I certainly moved him in the way that he thought and um, I think you know at the moment in our current political discourse or public discourse about stuff there's so much alienation isn't there and there's so much dismissal and there's so so much shutting down and actually subjects are not black and white there's never a, a clear answer you know it, it things are uncertain and um i you know i put forward ideas but i also try and present other ideas as well and ask people to respond to it you know my they always always finish with you know an invitation to to share thoughts on the subject and I want to know what people think and I respond to what people think as well it's not just a sort of invitation you respond and then it goes out into the ether always respond Mm. to everyone and I've learned so much from doing that I mean I've learned so much from doing that in my teaching um you know and that has kind of I think come come through in my writing as well and the way that I want to engage and have my thoughts challenged or have other people tell me a different perspective Mm. one of the really interesting podcasts that i've listened to most recently and that uh, you you may have heard of it is um a podcast called the witch trials of jk rowling and it's um it's hosted and presented by a a journalist called megan phelps roper who used to be part of the Westboro Baptist Church in America, which is that kind of quite extreme religious um, group that kind of, you know, stood, sort of stood, stands outside, I don't know, meetings, you know, with signs saying God hates fags and stuff like that, you know, very extreme. And she, she came out of her extreme position because people continued to very gently probe her and try and, you know, show her other sides to a a story or an idea. And eventually she kind of got, she she got out of it through that, through the kind of gentle persuasion of Mm -hmm. they were prepared to engage rather than dismiss. Mm -hmm. And the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling is really her, you know, giving... JK Rowling a an opportunity to to sort of talk to her critics you know because she she's obviously a figure who has become much maligned so it's just it was just a really kind of interesting um mm. and I suppose like all of the things all of the things I write about and what drives me is really about kind of engaging discussion and um and and debate in a uh in a respectful way, mm. in a respectful way, like, I I do think you know when when it comes to you know when you you think oh god um I don't know even someone like Donald Trump he's just beyond the pale and <laughs> of course he is beyond the pale but understanding where he's come from you know what his life experiences have have been and what kind of personality he is can give you a different perspective on why he's saying things uh, the, the saying the things that he does rather than just dismissing the things that he says mm. 
I'd love to dig a little bit deeper on this, if that's all right. I can really, so you've talked about new perspectives. You've talked about that challenge. You like to be challenged. You like to challenge, not, there's something about gentle persuasion, moving people from extreme positions. Why is that important to you? Uh, Why is that important to me? Um, It's a good question. And um, I suppose I do have various answers to that. One, of which is, you know, that I'm I'm a gay woman and um, have been at the end of not so nice experiences, yeah. and including within my own family. And over the years, I've tried various ways to engage with extremes of position. And when you're hostile, it it never works. When you're very reasonable and rational, it you you see people move and and you know recognize common humanity, you know the things that 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 we share rather than the differences that divide us. And I suppose that's where it, why it's it's sort of ingrained in me, really. To yeah, yeah to to sort of find the um uh yeah find the things that we have in common rather than the things that separate us mm. answer your question i don't know what it does you'll probably ask me again and i'll think of something <laughs> no i won't i won't turn this into a coaching <laughs> session but i suppose that's a bit that i'm always curious about you know what is the driving force for people to do what they do because mm. i think if we can really tap into that then it gives us permission, I suppose, to do the work. You know, mm. if we if we know mm. where it's coming from within us, mm. we can mm. keep going back to that when it feels really hard. You mm. know, when you're running a, when you're working, you're trying to make a difference, and sometimes it feels like you're banging your head against mm. a brick wall. So going mm. back to, you know, what is it within me mm. that's really driving me? And when we've, yes. <laughs> excuse me, when we've had those lived experiences of not belonging, of being at the end of mm. someone's extreme perspective, mm. I mean that's that's where the power, that's where the strength can come from as well. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean the the other thing that I would say is that um, you know I over the years sort of had all the confidence and no confidence. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I know where that comes from. You know, that comes from having had that experience of, of, of rejection and, and love being based on, well, if you do this, then you'll get this. Um, And I, I, what I want to do, certainly my teaching um, is to give confidence to my students like I want them to feel like their voice is valid and um you know I in a way that's that also drives my 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 podcast and my writing is that like I want people to 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 engage with me and um you know sort of tell me what they think and and let us have a you know a, a conversation where we can both feel very confident that the other is being being listened to yeah oh, that's so important 
I, you know, I also think from a, a feminist perspective of being able to, um, you know, you talked about the, a voice being valid. There used to be this phrase years ago, and which was something like, um, kind of allowing allowing other voices to be heard, or it was something like that, and it really irritated me because this position of, you know, we're allowing we're allowing people at the table, and actually. Um, people already have a voice. Mm. It already exists, but they're kind of through um, through wider uh, societal narrative and also individual experiences. That you know, sometimes they're not speaking. I you know work with a lot of clients who have. When I talk to them, I am blown away by what they're talking about, their perspectives, their what they have to offer, and yet. There's something that really holds them back from saying it out mm. loud, mm. and to offer people to support people in having a confident voice mm. where they where there's curiosity mm. and not judgment is yeah we that's yeah. A, that's a, a like you that passing you're passing that gift on to your students that feels really powerful i hope so i hope so because that is what you know that's the way that i approach um approach my teaching i hope that Mm. that is what that is what happens but yeah i you know we were talking a little bit before we started just about um you know how i got started in in writing and or certainly writing my newsletter which i've been doing now since Wow, when did I start? It's a good question. I started in in lockdown, January 2021, um, just with an Instagram account. And I what I knew I wanted to do, and it was really based from my teaching, is that I wanted to put art in a context, you know, contemporary context where it resonates with people and doesn't feel like this kind of elitist thing that goes on that, you know, you, you sort of if you don't understand it, that or you don't, you know, sort of um, feel like you're a bit sort of you're missing the point, you're a bit yeah. stupid or something. And you know, my my students, I, I I largely teach American students who come to London as part of their um, undergraduate degrees as a sort of mm-hmm. international program. It's really interesting. You know, I have worked in the UK in UK institutions, but the difference between the American and the UK system is huge. And there's a lot of, there's a lot more honesty, I think, with American students about what they do and don't understand. And and a lot more expectation that you will explain something to them. Um, whereas in, I think, UK higher education, it's more like you go and find it out. We can have a discussion about it, but you need to do a lot of the legwork. Through that, those honest discussions that I have with my, my students, um, I, you know, I I find, I you know, I, I understand that there is this kind of real hesitation around certainly contemporary art, you know, conceptual mm. art, mm. as being really yeah. difficult to understand. Um, and what I wanted to to do was to present art just in all its richness and what you can get from it if you allow yourself to be unsure and to to sort of live with that uncertainty, but just to listen to the thoughts in your head 
right? So even mm. if looking at art when you're thinking, I've got no idea what the hell this is about, that in itself is an interesting response. And then the more that you stay with it, the more thoughts will come into your mind. When I started in January 2021, I was I was really like I, I'd seen that there was this space within writing about art that wasn't that wasn't there, you know, that, mm. that wasn't being fulfilled, which is about kind of, you know, putting art in a context that makes sense to people. So I didn't know what I was doing. I just started this Instagram account and I gave it this, you know, this title, The Gallery Companion. And um, from there I built a, um, you know, I built up a following and um, and then I was just like, okay, well, I'd like to, to, to talk about it like I do with my students. So I started doing these live events, which I called The Art Salon, and people came to that and we had great discussions. I met some brilliant people who are still, you mm. know, you know, my followers and some of my biggest champions really and after lockdown and the, you know people started going to galleries again I, I stopped doing the live events um but I I moved into um doing much more kind of concrete stuff online so I started up a a membership um mm -hmm. through a platform called Mighty Networks that kind of didn't work I did that for about six months and then I had to just knock it on the head because I wasn't getting enough it was behind a wall, you know, and people couldn't necessarily see what was going on behind that wall. They just had to take a leap of faith. Yeah. And that for me didn't work out because, you know, if you've got to like, take that leap of faith, you know, you're probably not going to. So I came out of that and I, I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll write on Patreon, which mm -hmm. is another, you know, kind of writing and, um, you know, kind of membership platform. And again, that was behind a wall. And, and so I just didn't, that kind of, I did that for about three months. And eventually I found Substack, which is a writing platform, a writer's platform. It's a newsletter platform, basically. Yeah. And it's a growing, you know, it's a company that's, that, that's growing quite rapidly. Um, and it's just the most brilliant space to, um, to, to write. You don't need to, you know, there's loads of newsletters that I just like once a month or, you know, every, every other week or what I publish every other week, but it's just, it's, it's professional. It looks great. You know, it's, and, you know, I started to build a, a following. I could see, you can see who opens your messages yeah. and see, you know, who was commenting and stuff. And it started slow. It started really slow it still is kind of slow but you know it's it's not just my, what I mean is it's not massive you know I'm not a massive following but you know when I moved to Substack I had about 500 people on my mailing list and that was September last year mm -hmm. and I've now got three and a half thousand so um that's incredible it's that's good. great <laughs> three and a half thousand heartbeats yeah yeah they don't all open my <laughs> emails of course but you know you can see who opens your emails but I think you know having started really small mm. it enabled me to build my voice and my confidence yeah. and you know I could see the responses were coming in that were very positive and I was just like mm. okay okay and it built and built and built um the point about Substack not that I they're not paying me by the way <laughs> is that they have a, a built-in network that enables you to grow your mailing list by 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 kind of internal systems that where you get recommended to other people and you know other people can recommend you there are ways they 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 kind of um they they send out 
targeted newsletters to you based on what you enjoy reading and so on. So you can pick up new followers mm-hmm. without even really doing anything, um, which is how I've how I've yeah. grown. And so, yeah. And how brilliant where, you know, where it feels like you're not having to, because I, I think I said earlier that I really love hearing that story because I think there can be a lot of fear around this idea of writing a newsletter, like who's going to read it, who cares yeah. about what I think, I'm not a good writer, what, all the things, all the things. Yeah. Um, and actually that I, that when I first started my newsletter, I just thought about writing to one person. <laughs> just, you yeah. know, and it, and it's, if I'm just, I'm just writing to this one person and then it's sort of, it's grown gradually from that. Yes. And I think that's a really good way to think about it is if you think about your ideal reader or your ideal listener and just speak to them. And I do that. I have one person. Mm. I haven't told her that she's (laughs) she's been with me from the start. I have one person that I, you know, I write for. Mm. And, um, you know, I like I think to myself, okay, is this accessible enough? Is this interesting enough? Will this, you know meet you know will, will she open this mm. yeah yeah <laughs> and, um you know and well she does but also that's a really useful way to think about it it's not about how many people open your emails because that that's just chasing that's a disappointment <laughs> no, that's yeah. just chasing numbers Forget yeah it. yeah um, I I I used to think to myself okay how can I make money from this how can this you know this is a part of my week that I am essentially unpaid for mm. you know I I make I may I pay the bills through doing other things part, t- partly teaching partly other things um but I used to think how can I make make this pay and I've stopped thinking about that and it's freed me up from you know kind of chasing down numbers or caring about who opens it or like you know any of those those things it's just literally a writing practice and it's for me and for my one reader that I that yeah. I you know, sort of think well what will you think about this yeah um, I love that. what will you get from this yeah um, you know mm-hmm. it's about the value that it brings to me so really. you you've got a little bit more freedom from taking out that question of how can I make money from it yeah Do you... Do you make money from it? Is there is is it monetized? Because like with Substack, you can have different levels of payment or something, can't you? Uh, yes, you can. Um, I mean, well, that's well, Patreon. You can have different levels of payment. Okay. Okay. With Substack, you can you can switch on paid subscriptions, and you're either pay, there's a monthly or a, an annual, which you can set at whatever you want to set at. I do make some money from it. Um, but it's not enough, not nearly enough to pay the bills. So that I just quite quickly realised that that wasn't good. Unless I had, you know, 300,000 followers, I, I just don't think that that's really, you know, and I'm not, I don't, and I won't ever have 300,000 followers, you know what I mean? So mm. I just sort of quickly thought that I'm not going to waste my time mm. worrying too much about that. And, you know, when I get paid subscriptions, it's always a joy. And it's like, mm. oh, but, but, you know, I do, I do say, um, I, I used to produce, um, I used to publish twice a week and that just became way too much. I was doing, you know, one public post and one post for paid subscribers. And mm-hmm. I just sort of thought, I, this is so unmanageable. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've really learned from this whole process is that you have to 
do what's manageable for you yeah. and, and not worry about the things that you're not doing. You know, I, I know that I could get a lot more, a lot more coverage, a lot more, um, followers if only I could get to my marketing plan but you know I I I don't have I actually don't have enough time in the week at the moment to and it's just when I I, when I let it it stresses me out when I let go of that you know at the moment I'm just thinking well I'm going to do one thing every week to try and you know kind of spread the message and maybe it'll work maybe it won't but I'm not going to worry about that Um, I'm just going to keep on doing what I do um, otherwise it just becomes too much yes I really think that approach well, it, that's a useful approach a helpful approach because I think often we can we can hold things so tightly that like sometimes I describe it as like one of those rubber ball bands where you, mm. you know you've got one thing and then another thing and then another mm. thing and then this tight rubber ball band and at any mm. moment it could mm. all just fall apart and I think sometimes if we can hold it I think it's tricky when we're when we're surrounded by this like be productive, produce, make money, yeah. all of this sort of stuff. Mm. But if we can hold things a little bit more lightly and just see kind of where it takes us and mm. I talk about testing a lot, like try it, see if it works. And you know, I can hear that throughout the, how you described well, I tried my mighty networks, that didn't quite work for me. I tried this platform, didn't like that, moved into this and actually mm. I found you know, and I think mm. sometimes we feel like we have to make a decision and mm. do that thing, and we're we're mm. bound to stick to that mm. thing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And no. actually, it's not true. You know, you yeah. can just give things a go and you know try writing a newsletter, see how it goes. It might mm. not be your thing. It might be a podcast. It might be social media. It might be face to face networking. The way that you're kind of the way that you connect with others um mm. Mm. And, I, and i think these conversations are really important to have so that, that talking about our why and purpose but also the nitty-gritty of mm. how we how we get that word out mm. yeah absolutely and you know it is important of course it's important because you know i spend all of this time thinking about these things I write and I I edit and I you know it takes this hours and hours and hours of my time and sometimes I just think to myself why the hell am I doing this what am I doing this for but you know when I when I really think about it why am I doing it I'm doing it because I I enjoy it I enjoy writing because as I said before it helps me kind of sort through what I think myself um it you know it it makes me think and and I just also think, okay, I don't know what opportunities are going to come from this. Something might come from this. And, you know, opportunities have come from it. You know, I've been approached by artists to to do to do writing for them. I started my podcast because I thought, well, okay, you know, a lot of the people who follow me are artists. And um, you know, from my own experience of teaching artists, um, I would find ways to present them with with texts and reading that um, wasn't did not involve them reading it, yeah. um, so listening to it because artists are visual. They like mm. to, you know, they're, they're much more comfortable. In, I, I think a lot of artists are a lot more comfortable in that visual sphere. So I would find documentaries f- um, for my students to watch. I'd find podcasts for them to watch. I find, you know, mm. 
And I just thought, okay, well, I'm speaking to artists, give them a podcast because, you know, and loads of my artists, um, loads of my followers have said, I love listening to it. I listen to it in the studio while I'm, you know, when I'm working or, you know, it just really has enabled me to, to, as I've been doing this, I've learned from experience. Mm-hmm. So you know everything at the start mm-hmm. and um, you just, I think all, entrepreneurs I don't I don't know whether I'd call myself an entrepreneur but you know you have to be nimble and fleet of foot and move and move on and and see what works and try different things and I, God, I've tried so many things and Me too. um yeah and uh, you know with the podcast it's just I love it now that's where I'm yeah. putting a lot of my attention and my focus mm. because um that has the potential I think to reach a much wider audience than mm. a newsletter um you know podcasts are big the massive having massive investment in them um yeah. i went to a an event for podcasters for the podcast industry oh. in london a couple of weeks ago the was podcast it the podcast show, show? Yeah. yeah yeah i didn't Did you, go but no, no it's no. so good it was so interesting i could only go on one it was a two-day event and i could only go to one of the days but it was so interesting i mean such a buzz around mm. podcasting and you know, investment in voices, like unheard voices. And um, that, like I was saying to you before, it's a bit of a wild west, you know, where you can, you can be, um, you're just, you know, somebody who doesn't have a huge following and, and then, you know, kind of build an audience in it, you know, it, and there's massive, massive um, listenership numbers now and, and it's only increasing rapidly. So, you know, I just sort of thought, okay, well, I'm not, you know, one of the things that I, I went to this um, event at the podcast show, which was like a, a marketing seminar. Um, how do you market your podcast? Great. Okay. I'll go to that. And these two American women come to talk about, they, they do marketing for podcasts and they, they basically said, look, you know, social media is fine, but social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, then those are not going to be your listeners particularly mm. because they're not, they're, they're being, they're quickly flit, flitting through and they're not going to go, Oh, is it a podcast? Let me click onto that. Let me click onto that and let me go and listen to that. No, no, they're there to just sort of do the kind of, mm. um, so if you're focusing on your social media for podcasting, you need to think again. And I was just like, Oh, wow, okay. I just totally, you know, I had been spending a lot of time on social media, like trying to build an audience through social media. And actually, that's not, you know, where I'm going to find my audience. Mm. There are other ways to market for your podcast, um, yeah. which they gave me loads of really useful tips. Yay. So, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. adapting and moving yeah. and thinking about, yeah. you know, where your where your customers, where your clients, where your followers, yeah. where your listeners are going to be. Yeah, exactly. There are two things. I, I was just thinking how amazing I would I would have loved you as a teacher when I did my degree because I think uh, coming from, you know, I was the first person who went to university in my family, wasn't massively academic, although worked, had the good girl syndrome, you know, like worked my arse mm. off to get my A's and all of the things. But it was so... Um, you, it was it was aimed at, at one particular learner, you know, someone who's happy to mm-hmm. read books and mm-hmm. anyway, anyway. So first of all, I was thinking, uh, I'd like to be taught by Victorian. And then the second <laughs> thing, 
I was thinking is, I can imagine artists listening to your podcast, your voice, we just take a moment to like, you're so calming and like have this amazing way of articulating things. And I'm, yeah, I think everyone needs to go and listen to Victoria's podcast. Please (laughs) do. Just like wandering around listening to your voice. I'd be like, oh, amazing. (laughs) Do you know what, Sarah? You're not, you're not the first person to, to say that. And actually it's only sort of emerged that knowledge for me has only really emerged in the last couple of years when I've been, you know, doing the gallery companion, people have mm. said to me, gosh, your voice. And I'm just like, what? What do you mean? Um, but you know, it's obviously yeah. a thing. So you should do some mindfulness okay. training or something. Cause I can imagine you you could do mindfulness in galleries, walking around, being mm. present with the artwork and just mm-hmm. good out, idea. Yeah. Well, I, t- I tell you what, the other thing about I think about my voice is that I'm quite sop it's quite soporific. Um, I mean, I definitely, you know, send my wife to sleep. So <laughs> well, as soon as I start talking, when we're in bed, as soon as I start talking, she's asleep within five seconds. Oh, yeah. um, brilliant. Um, so I wanted to ask you, the name of the podcast is Do Good and Do Well. And I yeah. wonder what arises for you when you hear that phrase. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking about this in advance of our chat, actually, and I was thinking about the the people who have influenced me most in 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 my working life, in my professional mm-hmm. life, and just in my life in general. I mean, I, I've mentioned my my dad before, but um, I I I think I would characterize um, those those people as having a profound generosity. You know, generosity of of a spirit and and generosity of heart. People who've influenced me and continue to influence me. For me, one of one of the people who has influenced me professionally the most is, was my PhD supervisor, um, Professor Matt Cook, and he's a he's an historian of of, of sexuality um, and uh, queer history. And, you know, every, I, I, it took me seven years to do my PhD. I, I did it part time. And we, for, you know, that length of time, had a couple of gaps in my study. But, you know, I'd meet with him every couple of months for two hours to talk about some writing that I'd done for him. And in that two hours, there was nothing else in the world. It was just him listening to my ideas and responding to what I was saying. And, you know, valuing what I was saying really carefully, carefully listening, I think. Mm. And, you know, his academic generosity was just so, you know, blindingly clear to me. And I just thought, I want to be that person who, you know, who is like, you know, who's like that. Ultimately, I think I just want people, I want to thrive and I want other people to thrive you know, I want the people that I work with to to thrive and I want my students to, you know, feel confident and succeed. And um, I think, you know, that that's the way that I I try and operate with with the people that I work with and in, in, interact with professionally. You know, I, I I go into conversations not thinking about what I can get from them, but what, you know, what I can share, what I can give what knowledge I have or things that I found useful and valuable to me that I can that I can share. And I think when you when you invest 
in in people in that way they invest in you Mm -hmm. um and that and that investment isn't necessarily you know immediately there um but it's it's building a kind of deep connection with people where they trust you and they come back to you and they ask your opinion and they you know and they give and you know there's a genuine exchange there um which is which is built on 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 listening to each Mm. other and how do you how do you because i think with generosity and investment comes a lot of time and a lot of energy and we can end up holding quite a lot for people taking that responsibility. I'm wondering for you how you make sure that you look after yourself within that. So if you're pouring into others, when how do you know if it's too much or too little? Or what's your thoughts? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, and with my students, I think there's a there is an expectation that there are boundaries there you know and I, do, I I am boundaried in that in that way I'll say mm-hmm. you know you can't speak to me um you know after class we can talk about any problems I'm happy to help you da, 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 da. um but I'm not going to individually teach people you know for, for five hours or whatever um and and there is just a sort of I suppose I don't know how to kind of describe it but just a di- like a, di- a dynamic which I will kind of you know, sort of slightly push back on and ask them to sort of maybe think about this or that, and you know, they they need to do the work, and mm. they, you know, so there's there's that in my teaching. In other ways, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say really to that, but I, I guess I just sort of think is is this, you know, when I'm having conversations with people. You kind of figure out the lay of the the lay of the land in a way, and you know whether they're listening to you and you're listening to them. And I, I think that's that's where I I kind of recognise what's going on. If someone is really not listening to you or what you're saying, then okay, there's probably there's not that that the relationship probably isn't there, you know. And I just sort of go with my instinct on that, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? I think it's being I think it's being self aware mm. that noticing when you might feel drained, depleted mm. by certain conversations, or not even conversations, but you know, even when you're thinking about your business, like. Mm. Are there parts of it that it doesn't feel like there's an exchange somewhere? You're pouring mm. into it and you're not really getting anything back, and that can feel quite exhausting. Mm. And I think if you can really take a step back and just notice, so you talked about instinct. You know what is what is the how does the instinct show itself? Is it a thought that you have? Is it a feeling that you have? that you talked about noticing if someone's not really listening and you're all kind of, there's there's not an exchange in a way. Mm. I think if we can become more self-aware around that, then we can start making decisions about, is that something I need to stop doing? Mm. Um, is there yeah. somewhere else I need to pay attention? Um, yeah. 
I mean, I feel like a lot of stuff just comes from a sense of self-awareness and in in as much as possible, a curious way, not a sort of judgmental way. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. But just noticing where your energy comes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that energy is really, really important. And Mm -hmm. actually through Substack, going back to Substack again, I've met um, a few people who you know, have really, you know, they have that generosity that I recognized in my supervisor, I recognized in my dad, you know, and I think, you know, just going back to that instinct thing, you kind of, you do notice, and you know, whether, when there's an energy between people where they're giving mm-hmm. you and you're giving them and they, and that there's a sort of, yeah, okay, I think we can, we can learn from each other and we can invest in each other and listening to that is, um, yeah, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even in the conversations that you have with people where you think, oh, okay, I don't, I'm not sure that this is, I still, I'll, I'll still have those conversations just to sort of, just to find out. And mm. I, I don't ever think to myself, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I just, just try it out. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel good, then, you know, you don't need to sort of, you don't need to go back there, mm. but you, you never know what opportunities are going to come. Never know. You never know. Think <laughs> valuable things you'll learn. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think it's also about noticing how you show up in the space as well. You know, what are your needs that are being met in in that? Com- if we're talking about conversations, what are your needs being met in that conversation? And if you've, so sometimes it's not about is happening with the other person but kind of what is happening with us and what we're trying to get out of it i don't know where i'm going with this but anyway anyway (laughs) but that you know that i know what you mean that also i think the you you said something earlier about being in a being feeling more comfortable in a place of uncertainty Mm. and i think that's such a um helpful point that you made there because as humans we want everything to be certain we want to know exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen you know generally and and we live in so much uncertainty at the moment actually there's real skill to be able to sit with it Mm. and to be able to think I don't know Mm. like I don't know what's going to happen in this conversation Mm. but I'm willing to find out I don't know if that's going to be the the service in my business that's suddenly mm. going to make it all sustainable or, or whatever I don't know but I'm willing to sit here in that discomfort a bit and and give things a go and I think yeah that's what I've really kind of got from from you in our conversation well do you know what I you know I it's, it takes a lot of work for me to be okay with uns- uncertainty because <laughs> yeah. I I do I th- I think and I think and I think I go round and round and round and round and round and you know that I can be quite sort of anxious about stuff, mm. you know. And but this is where things like I don't know, paying attention to to artists and and what they're communicating is really it's really helpful. There's um, an artist whose work I absolutely love. He's a South African artist called William Kentridge. Did a big show at the Royal Academy um, a few months ago, and um, you know his his kind of his line the way that he 
he sort of makes these kind of animated drawings. They're very, the, the line is very uncertain. You know, he kind of, he'll draw something, he'll rub it out, take a photo of it, rub it out, you know, and it's like mm. there's something uncertain about his line. And he talks about that uncertainty in the in the wider world, you know, like nothing is certain, everything is uncertain. And people who are certain, um, you've got to be very worried about them, you know. And he comes from this, um, you know, this, this this kind of context and background of uh, apartheid South Africa, okay. you know. And he says, you know, people who are certain, they'll line up with their with their guns, and they'll say, yeah, yeah it's this way, follow me. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and it's it's getting those sorts of really insightful perspectives that mm. that, that that show up through art that I think is you know kind of you know it allows you to think about ideas. In a slightly different way. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I was just thinking, which is why it's awful that there's such a lack of investment in, yeah. you know, arts and creativity in, yeah. in the UK, but that's a whole, that's awesome. Well, it's another um, podcast and actually, well, we should talk, we should talk about it another time actually, because I have done a, I have done a recent blog post on the value of teaching art in schools Yeah, and um, how we should, you know, kind of invest in um, or trying to revert it was it was based around um I don't know whether you remember Rishi Sunak's recent um you know we've got to reverse the anti-maths mindset blah 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 and I'm just like well how about reversing the anti-arts mindset mm -hmm. because you know kids will learn a lot more if, if you invest in art you don't need two more years of maths education you need to think about how we're teaching mm -hmm. math and you know kind of re rethink you know methods of teaching and learning which should yeah. break the art. Anyway, let's not get started. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, what a, what a rich conversation. Thank you so much. How, how can people find out more about you? So how can they find this a newsletter, get to your podcast? I mean, I'll put the links in the show notes too, but share, share the info. Yeah. My, um, my Substack is at thegallerycompanion.com. The podcast is just called The Gallery Companion. You can get it on Apple or Spotify mm. or, you know, look, any major po podcast player. But there's also a link to that in every post that I post out. So every every couple of weeks, um, I'll send out a newsletter. And it has all of the images and the videos and stuff mm. that I talk about in the podcast. So it's a sort of companion to the to the podcast. But the links are always in there. So, yes, yeah, subscribe at thegallerycompanion.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Me too. Take care. Thank you to Victoria. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. If you have found it enjoyable, useful, if it's given you a new perspective, if it's brought any challenge, then do let me know. And please share the episode with someone else who you think would resonate with what we were talking about today. Take very good care.